What's up, Marvelites, and welcome to a brand new episode of the MCU Exchange Podcast. Woo! Special edition. This is a Halloween episode. Boo. My name is Aaron Elvieros for this episode. Alongside me is Charles. What's up? And Joe. Hello! Before we get down to business in our Halloween themed topic, let's now run down everything, every MCU news in the past week. Starting off with one of the biggest lately. It's for the Moon Knight Disney Plus series. Marvel has already found their Moon Knight. Yay! A new report from Deadline has confirmed that Marvel Studios has tapped Star Wars alum Oscar Isaac to play the lead role of Mark Spector in Moon Knight for Disney Plus. And from moments after that, I mean, a day after that, the director was found for Moon Knight as well because Deadline also reported that Marvel Studios has tapped Mohamed Diab to direct the upcoming Disney Plus series, Moon Knight. He's, he's Egyptian, by the way, so it really fits. Joe, what do you think about this Oscar Isaac Moon Knight pairing? Uh, it's uh, First of all, it's great to see uh, Moon Knight get cast, and especially such a high-profile actor with, with Oscar Isaac. I did not expect that. I kind of thought they're going to go more low-profile or someone rather new, but uh, if they got Oscar Isaac, uh, that's a huge deal and could be a big sign for what they have planned for the character. Uh, I will say that I, what I find really interesting is, you know, there was a lot of debate that the actor who plays Moon Knight is Jewish due to the uh, connections and connotations of the character. So Oscar Isaac, I think, isn't Jewish, but his father is, so he has a Jewish heritage. But it's just a little confusing on that aspect, but I'm very curious how they're going to integrate that character or that aspect of the character into the show. And But then you also have the Egyptian director. Uh, that is really, really interesting um, because Mohamed Diab, uh, what I could see, he's uh, very well known for having the high, high, sorry, before I say this wrong, his films may, are the highest grossing films from that region. So he is a big profile director that is kind of breaking through into Hollywood with this into into the United States. So I'm really, really curious what he has to bring. Plus, if this means we're going to see a lot more of Egypt than we first thought we were going to and if we're going to see more of Khonshu in the series. Yeah, it's a very interesting addition. It was a surprising addition. Charles, what is your reaction when you first heard this news? Well, like Joe, it was very surprising. It was more surprising that we got Oscar Isaac, like Joe said. He's super duper high profile. He might be the most high profile, I guess, lead role, lead actor we've gotten in a very, very long time. I mean, mm. I might be wrong, but just thinking about it off the top of my head, Oscar Isaac, you know, Star Wars, and he's in Dune. He's 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 basically in every, almost every like, um, beloved tenfold film right now. And now he's gonna be in the MCU as Moon Knight. Um, it's he's very he's a very good actor, so I can't hate on that. But yeah, it's such a super duper, um, unsuspected uh, casting for him. Like Joe said, I think, I think a lot of fans were thrown off at the idea that oh, they want to cast a really like a really true blue Jewish actor to to um to to play the role, but with, with Isaac, he's only I guess part Jewish with his dad, no. so that might not always be the case. It's good to remember that these these grids aren't always you know they don't follow these grids down to a T. So mm-hmm. Oscar Isaac is one of those surprise castings that really it doesn't necessarily align with what we were expecting, but it works on all levels considering how great. Guy acting, I, I, I guess with with uh, with uh, Muhammad Diab, it is kind of cool that they are getting people of of who know what it's like, you know, 
all, all the Egyptian stuff, all the all the who who are fully aware about Egyptian culture and and the mythology and whatnot, and they can add this this authenticity to 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 the character and the story. I think Miss Marvel, the directors, also I think most of them are from are are, are, are I think I might be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Most of them seem seem to be like very Pakistani. They're they're in line yeah. with that heritage. You know the fact that Marvel's getting these types of talent to crown projects that, that are mostly catered to the fanboys in the West. The fact that they're, they're getting this authentic talent to bring their authentic voices into to inject their authentic voices into the MCU is super duper exciting. And you know it's good news all the way. I can't wait to see what what Oscar Isaac is gonna do. Uh, I think like because Moon Knight in the comics, he has he has a bunch of identities and you know. He's he's gone through some different variations to, to to in his appearances. I am wondering if they're gonna go the Mister Knight route, where he's um he's like a what do you call this? He's a wisecracking guy who who's who's mm. who's in a white and beating people up, you know, in alleys and whatnot. Yeah. yeah, like a detective and whatnot. So I wonder if they're gonna go with that because Oscar Isaac kind of fits that that angle for the character. And you know, I'm excited just to see what he's gonna bring to, to all of Moon Knight's you know alternate identities. Yeah, and because it's a really big addition, and I can't wait to see him side by side with the rest of the MCU heroes. Just a follow-up question, guys: Which hero do you think best is best paired with Moon Knight? You know, in moving forward, Charles. Oh. I think because he's a street guy. However, he's also a bit of an Avengers guy. He's been in the Avengers. Books for some time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad if he gets paired with someone like Captain America. Mm-hmm. Falcon, yeah. Just so yeah, Falcon, Captain America, or you know, any Captain America. I like, I like, I, 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 I'm very curious about what the pairings are gonna be like, because you got the street character who's kind of like Batman, but also super rich, but also you know very very unhinged, and you got Captain America to sort of you know anchor him. So I'd love to see them going together. My original choice, because of the connections in the comics, um, would have been Black Panther, um, because there's a lot of like in in the comics, you know, Black Panther also has a very strong connection to the dead. But given the circumstances, um, I think what would make it very interesting pairing is Moon Knight with Thor, because the whole background of because like. For now, the only confirmed existence of a god is Thor. So with with Moon Knight, and, and th- it also depends on what direction they're going with Khonshu, if he's just a part of his mind or one of the identities in his head, I really, really hope they go with the design with like that bird skull. I really hope to see that on, TV, on, on Disney+. Plus. But like, if he's real, this opens up a whole new question of like, you have these two people, one is literally a god, one is resurrected and controlled by a god, and I could just kind of see a lot of fun with their arrogance and all that happening. And now, there's a little bit of good news in the next one, because finally, after numerous delays because of the COVID pandemic, several MCU productions have now wrapped, which is now Shang-Chi, uh, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and WandaVision. This is very good news, because first off, Shang-Chi, uh, the lead actor, Samuel Liu, uh, shared very enthusiastic comments about uh, the, the wrapping of production because he said that, and I quote, 
nine months from now, we will break records and make history as the first superhero movie to feature an all-Asian cast that kicks so much ass. It's not even funny. <laughs> well, that's a lie. Actually, it's quite funny, too. So that, that, that's Simon hyping up Shang-Chi, you know, and also it's very good news. And this, is, uh, this, this bodes well for the eventual release dates of these projects because after numerous delays, finally, we can... Uh, uh, the post-production process is currently ongoing, and get, we can be excited for the upcoming <laughs> projects. Charles, what do you think about this uh, development? Finally, product, MCU projects finally wrapping up production. It's so weird because they all seem to wrap like within a week, but we're somehow yeah. the like in various stages. Like I think when Falcon was delayed, they were about to film in Prague, so they were like, I, I guess. They were at least maybe 60-70% done, while WandaVision was just, I think, I, I might be wrong, I might, I might be getting my timeline mixed up. WandaVision was kind of almost, almost done wrapping, while, um, while what's, what's the other one? Uh, what the fuck's the other shit that wrapped? Shang-Chi, yeah, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. Like, like, early when the, when, the, when the lockdown started, fucking um, Dustin Daniel Crenon got, um, got COVID. So it, it's so weird that all these things were in various various stages when, when, the, when COVID happened, but now they're all wrapping within a week, a week's notice. Mm-hmm. So there's some crazy magic going on. I don't know if they started using the volume for, for all this stuff, but man, it's, it's, it's so nice to hear that it's all done. Um, WandaVision, we should be hearing about when, when it's coming out real soon, if it's coming out in 20... 20 because it's november literally tomorrow mm. and you know in less than 60 days we'll be able to finally see the first fucking mcu property so again super duper fun news nothing really big but it's so nice to hear that finally we've gotten over the hurdle of of these projects getting delayed so, <laughs> how about you uh with all of this wrapped up um when do you think the falcon and the winter soldier will premiere do you think it's january february or I don't know, March. Oh, that's that's a mean question. <laughs> uh, it's uh, no, it's it's very good. It's you know the thing is, we don't know how different the effects work is between WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier because Falcon Winter Soldier, what we've seen so far, seems to have a lot of like live action um, stunts and stuff. While WandaVision is more about you know it's a sitcom based concept with some action beats but it's probably, you know, less focused on that. So the question is, it's like, if WandaVision just wrapped and they potentially are releasing in 2020, let's say by the end or beginning of December, potentially, they are going to be working and finalizing a lot of the post-effects works while it's airing, which is not uncommon for television in general, but it does open up the question. It's like, okay, Falcon Winter Soldier finished filming at the same time. Could we see it earlier? My, my best guess is I think they're going to stay away from January. I think they're going to let WandaVision play out. If it comes out in December, that'll go into January because there will be a Christmas break. So I'll say optimistically, I think we could see it in March because that would tie us over. So we would have the show until January. February is a short month. March, they have that show starting and it leads into May for Black Widow if that releases in May, depending on various circumstances but the question is also like if there's any connections between black widow and 
Falcon the Winter Soldier. Um, I really hope they do not postpone Falcon the Winter Soldier after Black Widow because that would kind of just deter everything and drag everything out again. But I'll say optimistically, I could see them dead-eyeing a, a March release, potentially. They could pull an uh, what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did. Is if there's one or two episodes that are connected to Black Widow and they're like at the end of the season, they could postpone it to later and have those air after Black Widow, which uh, we saw with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when they had the episode that tied into Age of Ultron, for example, where, where they aired like right after, uh, right after the, the movie aired. So that could be an interesting thing, or even before it. And when, you, when you point that out, I, I remember one thing, Joe. Back in December, mm -hmm. The Mandalorian has that Force Healing episode, which, was, which coincides yeah. with the rise of the Skywalker, right? So that, yeah, exactly. I'm going to do the similar plan because, you know, Disney. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing. <laughs> Making us watch very their content. <laughs> yeah. But the, the important thing is production is wrapped. So... Yeah. We're not we're not shooting anymore. They're all safe. So post-production work is potentially going on maybe this week or next week. And we can't wait to find out if they will release trailers or teasers or posters or I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Let's now move on to an, um, another Disney Plus news here. It's very interesting. It's a very interesting news. Because there's a, a, a Funko Pop leak for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it shows off Falcon, of course, Bucky, and Baron Zemo, which is very interesting because the figure is named Baron Zemo. As you, can, as you guys can recall, during Civil War, uh, Zemo was only called Zemo. <laughs> so now they're transitioning to a new project. His name is now Baron Zemo. So could this potentially uh, mean that Zemo will called Baron Zemo in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. Charles, what do you think? I mean, it's weird. When when, when we saw this, I was kind of like, oh, maybe that's why he's named Baron Zemo because he's Baron Zemo in the comics. But it turns out Funko is very usually very accurate with how they name their, their toys. They really base it on, like, if the, the Rocket Raccoon in Rocket Raccoon in, in Guardians of the Galaxy isn't a raccoon, he's just called Rocket. And in the Funko Pop, he's just called Rocket, too. So there's mm. a, there's some semblance of an accuracy there, so it makes me wonder if, man, how did how the fuck did Zemo become a Baron in I don't know like uh, seven years since uh since or rather eight years since a since the uh, since Civil War happened or seven years I don't fucking remember, but I'm 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 curious how they're gonna explain that he's a Baron because again I kind of don't know also what Baron what Barons do I know that it's like they're people of power. So, I'm not quite sure how, how they're going to explain this, if he's really a Baron, or if it's just like a title he carries to intimidate people and to intimidate supervillains. But I am, it's really cool to see the, the show approach the character like that. They're not afraid to get him the purple mask. They're not afraid of him to call him, to call him a Baron. They're not just, you know, oh, he's just Zemo. He's not Baron Zemo. But he, it looks like they're going to go with, with, the, with the actual comic book out of, you know, Give him a purple sock. Let's call him Baron Zemo, which I think is pretty cool. But I don't know. Joey might know more about this. Why, why and how. Like, what, is, what, is, what does a Baron do? I don't know. So, so there's, there's different. Um, nowadays, you can get the uh, title of Baron in the Great. And so in Great Britain, for example, the Queen can bestow it upon you. Uh, it's pretty much the rank below Viscount. 
uh, in Germany, because, you know, Baron Zemo was, was German in the comics, um, it used to be, so because Germany has a lot of roots in the Roman Empire, it was like a knightly family, or, or knights were given that. So the barons or the Freiherren, as it's in, in German uh, at times, they're kind of like, they were the knights, so they got pretty much, for the rank to work under someone higher, they were given land. Interesting. Oh. So, so, so there's, there's many different versions. So Baron Zemo might own land in Falcon of the Winter Soldier. I, I kind of a theory that maybe... So we do not know how he got free because he at one point had to escape um, from, from, from that beautiful prison we saw him last in. So either during the time of the snap, I could see him kind of helping to rebuild uh, Sokovia. So he becomes pretty much, at, for his work, he's set free and becomes a baron of Sokovia, the remains of it. Oh. Because I don't think they're going to, like, I don't see them really building on his German heritage if they built him up as a Sokovian. Or they yeah. go with the, oh, he's actually from Germany with baron bloodline, and that's why he gets the title. I could see that happening as well. Is it possible that in Sokovia, they might have happen to have like barons and basically people of nobility in Sokovia? I could see that because uh, like uh, I can tell from Austrian and German history, uh, these hereditary titles like Baron, Viscounts and stuff, um, they're forbidden since 1919. So if, if they go by real world rules, he couldn't get the title in, in, in the original comic lore of the character. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's it's very. I mean, okay, he was from the 1940s in the comics, so that screws it up anyway. But I could see it being connected to Sokovia in some way. Right, because we don't know if he's from a well-off family, is he? Because I've mm -hmm. always pictured him as someone who's not rich. Like, I mean, just the way yes. you told the story, Black Panther, when his when his family died. He kind of seemed like an everyman who just happened to be a really, really skilled soldier. He's not a fancy guy. I mean, his dad's living with him, his wife and his kid. And, you know, he doesn't seem like, you know, I was in a palace when, 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 um, when Ultron happened. No, he's just like, he was, he was a guy, his dad was living with him. And then, mm. you know, Ultron happened and they died. So he seems like a, he seems like a, like an everyman. So I am very curious how he's going to get this, this, this title. Because, I mean, he, the theory that, you know, he, he does something actually good to earn the title, I find that very, very interesting as well. I mean, they could go the route that they did with Superman Returns, where, uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember, where, where Lex Luthor buries the old lady to get her entire estate and everything to get rich again. Yeah. So he, you know, okay. finds someone who has a baron a baroness and kind of just plays her throughout the years and gets the baron title. Oh, that's cool. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Maybe connected to the rumors of Madripoor showing up. Yeah, I could see that. And because, you know, uh, Zemo knows how to plan really well on how to craft this oh, yeah. strategic. <laughs> so <laughs> he might. Okay, that's that's about wraps it up for the rundown here. Let's now move on to the exchange, guys, because Woo! it's Halloween. In the spirit of Halloween, we're going to talk about the MCU's scariest moments. We all know that the MCU is a 
has has that real family friendly vibe. You know, uh, it's all jokes, humor, uh, light and funny because the heroes are like that. But even then, the MCU has a few terrifying moments when the stakes rise to the extreme where the villain wants to make a point. Hello, Thanos. <laughs> so now we move on to what is what are the scariest MCU moments during the Infinity Saga? Because of course, obviously, we don't have Phase Four yet, so we're gonna talk about Infinity Saga. Um, Joe, how about what's your, what's your take on this? What 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 is your scariest MCU moments or moment? It can be one, can be two, can be three. It's up to you. I'll say one of the scariest. It's it's not really scary per se. It's just more of a nightmare scenario. Is uh, it's an Ant Man. <laughs> Ant Man. It's when Darren. Oh yeah, it's when Darren Cross, uh, where he's in the bathroom, and he just shrinks that guy into that little bit of goo, because yeah. that just that stuck with me. <laughs> it was just like, no. <laughs> It was kind of gross. It, it, it's kind of like it. It reminded me, like for some reason, someone had the idea to throw a Cronenberg moment into an Ant Man film. <laughs> we see the fucking we we see the guy turn into like you know like a pimple. Yeah, like it's so gross. And it's still moving. That's the worst part. Like he still is in there. Uh, wow, you surprised us with your entry, Joe. <laughs> Thank I. You know, it's it's for me. It's kind of like the thought. Like a lot of childhood. I think a lot of children oriented or, or young adult kind of stuff have some of the scariest moments like the witches turning the kids into rats or mice or if you think about um the peewee herman film where the truck lady's face turns into like this creepy claymation thing and i kind of think ant-man just was like in that regard to like oh we're we're friendly for the family and then that happens and then on top of it you have the moment where Darren, our yellow jacket, crushes into himself because that was nightmares as well and looked painful as all hell. So there's some creepy ass moments in that film. Super creepy. Do you have uh, any, any more entry? Uh, I, I was thinking, um, like, the, the thing is with, with like scary or horrific elements, I'll say one that also stuck with me, and this is more psychological. I'm a huge Silent Hill fan. The fact that Doctor Strange, in Doctor Strange, decides to be in an unending loop of him getting killed over mm. and over again. That's kind of a nightmare scenario. It's kind of like those, like a lot of horror films love to play around with the fact that like you're, you're dying, but you never truly can die. Like in Evil Within 2, where the artist kills you, but it's slow motion, so you're pretty much still alive in slow motion, but dying slowly. That's kind of what it makes me think of. It's like Happy Death Day. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, happy death day too. Yeah. Oh man, their mama can't bargain. Dies all the time. That's really <laughs> scary. Charles, what about you? What are your MCU scariest moments? You know what I think is still, I what I think is still an authentic horror sequence in the MCU. It happens early on yeah. in the MCU when we see Hulk, Bruce Banner turn into the Hulk for the first time in the Avengers movie. That oh, is, manic. like, for, like for, for five oh. minutes, when Black Widow stuck under that, that I don't know, like, like, a, like, a, like a vent, mm -hmm. that is genuinely, like, the first, um, uh, that, that's, a, that's a genuinely legit horror sequence where you understand, like, oh, my God, it's happening. Everyone's fucked. Everyone inside that ship is fucked. And it's also the first time we see 
like how painful it is for Bruce Banner mentally and like emotionally and physically like he kind of pleads for Nat to run and yeah. you know when when Nat says you know like um I swear on my life we're we're going to get through this like Bruce just shouts at her like you're alive and just turns into mm-hmm. a fuck and and they were they also go into like this hide and seek where Nat's trying to hide from the Hulk and you know this giant's like looking after her and we actually see like a scary like a jump scare and then you know we see the Hulk in his full glory chasing Nat and it's just like a really scary moment and what it means to have the Hulk break out while you're flying a thousand feet in the air like the stakes are so huge you understand as 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 an audience member like oh my god they're all fucked and it's kind of scary you know if you're like an agent in that that helicarrier and you hear a, a, a giant scream and you know you feel like the uh the the floor shake you're kind of like oh my god i'm gonna die so i think that's, that's genuinely a, a really good horror sequence in the mc when it happens like phase one so i think it's pretty oh, yeah. it's one of the i think it's one of the best things joss whedon has done for the mc with that sequence mm-hmm. alone <laughs> what else joss do you have any, anything else I mean, the obvious one is the, uh, the, uh, what do you call this? The Mysterio scene in the, the, the nightmare sequence, the, the little mm. nightmare sequence in, in Far From Home where, where we, we actually see, you know, like some actual legit scary sequences with, with, with Iron Man and the, uh, the skeleton and all the crazy surreal stuff that's happening in that, in that sequence. But yeah, so that was a pretty, really, really well, well, well done sequence. But I think like to me, I I still like the the Hulk one better because there's something yeah. cool about it happening when the MCU wasn't, you know, the greatest thing in the whole world yet. I think it's pretty sick. And it was unexpected in that sequence because you <laughs> because you just expect you're, you're just expecting Hulk to be Hulk, and then yeah, <laughs> mm. sequence. Yeah, Josh, Josh Beard, he he milks the tension so well. Like you really feel what Nat is feeling during that scene. What about you, Aaron? No, what's your what's your what's your pick for scary one, scariest scene? For me, it was, I originally picked the the Mysterio Illusion sequence, the hologram sequence between Spider Man. But since you mentioned that, I have a backup here. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a backup. It's also in a Spider Man film, guys, from Spider Man Homecoming. Uh huh. It's, it's a terrifying scene for me because I can relate to it. Because you know, you know that scene where uh Peter. Uh, and uh, Adrian Toomes while in the car. They're in the car. Oh, yeah. The car. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> t- it's terrifying, you know? And then the, the, it's, it's not just a classic dad talk, guys. No, it's not. It's, it's like, uh, it's a I will kill you talk like that. It's, it's very chilling because when I, when I saw it, I was. That when when Adrian Toomes gave him a warning about uh, <laughs> about the daughter about about being Spider Man stuff like that and not messing around with him that's that really scares me. Mm-hmm. The lighting though oh, that the, scene is so good. And also when when he looks at the uh, what do you call this the rear view mirror towards Peter. Yeah. Holy shit! He's he's got to figure it out. I mean, we have to say Michael Keaton can is a really good actor, and and like everyone's like, oh, he's Batman and everything, 
I, I will say Birdman cemented him again as a, as a fantastic actor, and I was so excited when they got him for Homecoming, as ironic as that was. But the sequence just showed how intense he can be. And, and just the fact that, like, the red lights hitting his face yeah. as he realizes what's going on and his speech just slows down just that tad bit where you're like, oh, no. <laughs> and Jojo, the eyes, the eyes of... Michael Keaton. Damn, that's yeah. yeah. I kind of want to watch the scene as soon as we finish recording because it's such a good scene. Yeah. Wow. I, have another, I have another one because yeah, uh, I've been trying to uh, find out if this is scary. And uh, yes, it's scary. I, we know that the snap is scary, right? Mm-hmm. The snap, you know, when the heroes got defeated during Infinity War. For me, the first one that I was terrified when I first saw this, I first saw this in a leak <laughs> before Age of Ultron. Was that that sequence in Tony's dream when Wanda messed with her mind and you saw the Avengers? Oh, yeah. That's, all yeah. Then, good. That was a little night. Age of Ultron? Yeah. That was good. It's, uh, it's a disturbing vision of Tony Stark seeing the heroes defeated that prompted him to, make, to, to create Ultron and that Seeing that, watching it again when, when I was re-watching it due to Endgame, Endgame's imminent release last year, I was like, "Man, this scene foreshadowed a lot." <laughs> Before Endgame, I mean, Ultron in War. general, Age of Ultron in general foreshadows a lot for the uh, Infinity War and Endgame. So you know, oh. Age of Ultron is a, is a fucking great movie. I think it was really uh, under. Under underappreciated when it was released, and and it really grew on me. The the more you saw everything that was set up, but it still works as its own film. And there was some fantastic. I love the. I love. I think my personal favorite nightmare sequence from that film is the one with Thor, because it's so disorienting. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That those are the yeah. those are our picks for the MCU scariest moments. How about you guys, our listeners? What are your scariest moments from the MCU? Can you give us a tweet over at Twitter.com/slash/MCUExchange? You can also hit us, uh, hit a like button on our YouTube page where we post all our episodes at youtube.com slash Exchange. You can also head over to Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Apple Podcasts for, for you guys to listen to every episode. This is episode 38 and the, the rest of the episodes, episode 137. All amazing listens for everyone. And uh, that's it. Yeah. For all of you guys who want to follow us on Twitter, that's you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Aaron Chin as A-E-R-O-N-C-H-I-N-O. You can also follow Joe on Twitter. At that bell, T-H-A-T-A-B-E-R-L. Yes, you can also follow Charles on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at CFS Yes. And thank you, everyone. Keep safe. Happy Halloween. Yay, happy. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Halloween.